Blog Talk Radio. Wrestling, professional wrestling documentary. We're going to have him on a little bit later on, talking about his new movie, talking a little pro wrestling, because that's what we do here. Check us out over there on the Facebook page. We are facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Again, that is facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Right now, we got a, a show chat going on there. If you want to, you know, maybe you got some questions that you want answered uh, from Mark. So, uh, you can post it up there on our show chat right now, but we'll have that up on the Facebook page. Also, later on, during Monday Night Raw, we'll have a Raw chat going on the Facebook page. So head on over there, tell your friends, like the page, and then get on board on the chat. Again, Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. If you are a Twitter person, you like doing the Twitter thing, check us out on Twitter. Our handle is... At the Ken Reedy Show. Again, at the Ken Reedy Show is our Twitter handle. And as always, you can check us out on our website, thekenreedyshow.com. We got blogs. Uh, you know, you can listen to the show there. We got pictures, fan pics. Uh, contact us. Send us your picture. Let us know you're listening. And uh, we'll, we'll throw you up there on the website. Again, check us out at, over there, thekenreedyshow.com as we go forth into. This year, 2016, the uh, our second year in existence uh, as we move forward with 1640 PWPR. Check us out over there. It is easy to do. This is our pro wrestling network. It is a radio network of great podcasts, uh, wrestling as well as uh, other fight type shows. Uh, you know, we are a pro wrestling podcast and more. And the end more is very important. So head on over to iTunes. You get on iTunes. You uh, you know do a search. It is sixteen forty p w p r and subscribe and it's free. It's free. Can't get any better than that. Free. You subscribe and then you have access to all these great shows. Uh, our show is on there. Uh, the King Firehawk, Cool Down, uh, amongst others. We're always out there looking to add 
talent to our, our roster. So you get on the network, you get access to all these great shows. Check us out. Again, excited to be part of this project. Started it in 2015, continuing on right now, 1640 PWPR. Subscribe today. Got a lot of things that we need to talk about in the world of pro wrestling. Got a great show for you tonight and could not do it without my tag team partner. Let's get him on the line. Dave, how you doing this evening? I'm cold, but it's wintertime here in the Northeast, so that's expected. But other than that, the pro wrestling talk that we are about to embark on should be able to heat up the situation here in Connecticut. Yeah, man, I think we got a little bit spoiled with the uh, warm weather they had uh, that we had over the course of the winter. That, uh, yeah, this cold blast is just really not easy to handle right now. Um, but let's get into the pro wrestling talk and. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting in, in the world of pro wrestling, and a lot of people believe this, that, uh, you know, nowadays one of the problems with uh, building characters and, uh, you know, you know, on WWE programming, uh, it's like this even-steven booking, and, you know, you don't you have guys win one week, lose one week, win one week, lose one week, and it's, it's difficult for characters to gain any sort of momentum with that sort of booking, um, and, and a lot of... Uh, Wrestling fans, experts uh, look back in the day and say, you know, one of the ways that it was it really helped to build characters years ago was the use of enhancement talent, uh, the vernacular, the jobbers uh, that would have a character. Um, you'd know them week in and week out, uh, and they were, essentially their job was to lose and to make the stars look good. And one of the best ever at doing that. At, at just, you know, doing that heel thing, doing that heel enhancement thing, getting the heat from the crowd, and then putting over that baby face was Iron Mike Sharp. Well, unfortunately, the wrestling world lost today. Uh, Iron Mike Sharp has passed away. And, um, you know, it's interesting, Dave, like when you talk about things like this and you talk about a guy, you know, you're never going to look at an Iron Mike Sharp and, and sit here and, you know, Say, oh, what a career, and this title and that title. And, you know, he, it was a different kind of career. But uh, what he was able to do as a, an enhancement talent, uh, you know, he was a guy that, you know, most people that grew up in that era watching wrestling. Uh, you remember Iron Mike Sharp. You remember uh, what he did, what he brought to the table. Uh, you remember the character. You remember the, ah! uh, you remember the arm brace. Um, and, and he did a lot for the business as far as helping those faces get over. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's like, even though he was a jobber, I don't think it's uh, an exaggeration to say, you know, he was a great. He was a great back in the day. Uh, he did a lot for the business. And sadly, uh, you know, rest in peace, condolences to everyone, uh, friends and family, the Iron Mike, Iron Mike Sharp family. Um, sad to see us lose another one way too young. Uh, your thoughts on Iron Mike Sharp, Dave? Unfortunately, yes. You know, may may he rest in peace, Iron Mike Sharp, untimely passing. Um, you know, it is a sad day for for older wrestling fans that 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 can go like us that can go back and remember Iron Mike Sharp. Iron Mike Sharp was, you know, I hate to use that term jobber, but he did his job the best to the best of his ability, and his his job was to make the superstars look good. That's why he was in the in 
you know, WWF, WWE for so long used as an enhancement talent because he did such a good job of making the superstars on a weekly basis look good. I mean, I remember as a kid, like, you know, going back and seeing him on TV, he just looked like a mean guy. He looked like a guy that, like, I, honestly, he looked like a guy, like, I wanted to see anybody kill him. Like, just about anybody beat him because he just looked like a, like he was not a nice guy. You know, and he and and he did that so well just for being an enhancement talent. Um, you know, looking back on it, you know, years later, um, and a great point you make earlier, and I think um, some of our colleagues over at uh, Busted Open uh, made this point recently too that uh, the, the 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 days of the jobbers enhancement talent, um, you know, those days are obviously over. But it would definitely help get some of the the, the current superstars over by using enhancement talent on a semi-regular basis on WWE television and maybe even in other, uh, you know, uh, wrestling organizations, maybe, you know, like Ring of Honor or even TNA. Um, I think it's something that is can still be effective and still could be used in today's wrestling landscape. Um, unfortunately, it was done away with in the mid-'90s because, you know, the, the, the wrestling scene was heating up with the Monday Night Wars and, you had to put on your top talent on TV as much as possible, so they did away with the enhancement talent. But I do think there's still a place for it in the business. So if we can get hashtag bring back the jobbers trending worldwide, that'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you can't, um, you know, might be, you know, you can't understate, like, what what the jobbers and enhancement talent and uh you know, guys like Iron Mike Sharp, uh, you know, brought to the business. And, and it's funny. I mean, you're 100% right, man. It's like when, when Iron Mike Sharp came down to the ring, and as much as like, you know, I mean, he, like you said, I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head when you use the term, he did his job. Um, and his job was was to put over the baby faces. And, and you're right. Like, he just seemed mean. I mean, I don't know who he was in real life, but he just, he seemed like a mean guy. And you just, you know, you didn't like him. And regardless of, you know, that idea of when you're watching an Iron Mike, when you would be watching an Iron Mike Sharp match, you know, and, and, you know, you get wise to it. There's no way Iron Mike Sharp is going to win this match. But you still kind of just wanted to see him get his ass kicked. It wasn't something that like, oh, you know, I don't need to watch this match or let me change the channel. You still wanted to see Iron Mike Sharp get in that ring. You wanted to see him be a jerk. Uh, you want to see how he's going to put over the the, uh, the baby face. Uh, you wanted to see how he sold. Um, he was just he was a very talented guy and, and and went in there and like you said, Dave did his job. So condolences uh, the Iron Mike Sharp family um, and may he rest in peace. And it's uh yeah it's it's um you know you hate having to open a show like that, but um you know it's tough and and a lot of these wrestlers and we're going to talk about that again later on. Uh, you know part of the documentary. Uh, the Mark Travinsky did, um, you know, he hits upon a lot of these wrestlers that uh, pass away way too young and, and what this business uh, can do to its performers. So we'll get into that uh, perhaps with Mark a little bit later on. But let's get into what's going on now uh, in the world of pro wrestling. And uh, it, it's intriguing, Dave, when you when you think about, you know, WrestleMania season. And it is upon us right now. Uh, we're in the midst of WrestleMania season. And, you know, what's, what's intriguing... You know, what, well, what was intriguing was the idea that we're hearing, we were hearing that we we're going to see Cena 
versus The Undertaker at, at WrestleMania. And um, the interesting thing about that was, you know, uh, I, I mean, we saw the streak end, but I, I not that like, uh, you know, that, that uh, he couldn't lose again or he's starting another streak, but I just think that the pivotal loss at WrestleMania has happened. Um, I would be surprised to see Taker lose again at WrestleMania. However, the prospect of him getting in the ring with John Cena at WrestleMania definitely kind of brought that, you know, hmm, I wonder how they're going to book this. I wonder who's going to come out of this match victorious. There's a little uh, of that suspense now. With John Cena on the shelf, uh, it does open up that question of, number one, who do you slot in there for Taker to take on at WrestleMania? And, and number two... You know, are, are you going to be? Is there going to be any suspense there? Are you excited about it? Are they going to be able to get you excited for Taker's match? Because I, I would have been excited. I, I would have been excited to see Taker Cena at WrestleMania. It would have been really interesting to see how that would unfold. Um, you know, you could show footage of, of Cena and Taker from yesteryear. Um, I, I just think it would have been a really interesting kind of. Uh, vibe going into WrestleMania and selling this match. And so that the big question now, Dave, is who is worthy and and how is the WWE going to work the build? You know, it's it's a very interesting question and it's a very interesting scenario that, you know, wrestling fans and WWE in particular are currently under right now because of the large amount of injuries that a lot of top talent are currently experiencing, and unfortunately they're not going to be a part of WrestleMania this year. I mean, big names like Cena, Orton, Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, you know, I could I could probably name a few, but we all know who some of these guys are, Cesaro, just to name a few. Um, there isn't really a whole lot to choose from now uh, for Undertaker to, 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 to work against. Um, there have been rumors for the past year that uh, this WrestleMania, especially being in Dallas, would probably be the last WrestleMania of The Undertaker. Um, and then there were rumors that it wasn't going to be the last WrestleMania of Undertaker. And they were looking to build towards him and John Cena. Um, like you mentioned earlier, the, the, the pivotal loss at WrestleMania 32 years ago against Brock Lesnar um, would have been a perfect storybook way for The Undertaker to walk away um, completely. Uh, even a few years before that, the end of an era, Hell in a Cell match with Triple H, with Shawn Michaels as the guest referee, that shot of the three of them carrying each other out, and the, 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 the camera pans to the 20-0 and 0 sign. That would have been another perfect way for Undertaker to go out. Um, because of the magnitude of his previous WrestleMania matches, with guys like Michaels, with guys like Triple H, hell, even the Brock Lesnar match. Um, there, it, it, it was kind of hard. It, it's kind of hard after that to really follow up with something big. And there were probably only a handful. I wouldn't even say a handful. I'd probably count maybe, you know, two guys at the most, three guys at the most that people would be clamoring to see Undertaker wrestle at WrestleMania post the streak match that he lost against Lesnar. Um, we saw Bray Wyatt last year, and the buildup was very intriguing. I just thought the match, the delivery, 
and the 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 outcome was kind of ass. I I I was kind of pulling for Bray Wyatt to win. Uh, I felt that a, a win for him could have made him a made guy in WWE, and it really could have told a better story for Undertaker heading into this year's WrestleMania if they were going to go the retirement route. Now, I would have still done the retirement route with him and John Cena, to be honest with you. John Cena is, is now being seen as the respected locker room veteran um, in, in the eyes of, of the WWE audience that watches today. And I think that's the torch that would have been passed, per se, from Undertaker to him if that match were to have gone down. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, I would have booked Undertaker in the, in the, the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame. And then I would have had him gone on and with the relationship WWE has with ESPN. I would have had him go on Sports Center and announce that his he's retiring at WrestleMania, win, lose, or draw. He's done, which would then set up intrigue as to who he's going to face in his last match. And then you can eventually get there with him and Cena in some creative way. But however, with John Cena out, it leaves it, it leaves the the options less desirable. There's really two options in my mind currently. Well, maybe three, I should say. In my mind currently, that could work and be passable. But do you want a passable scenario for WrestleMania? Or do you want something that's just going to be like, oh, my God, like that's so awesome, I can't wait to see that? You want the second. You want the latter, okay? You either go with Undertaker versus a young guy, or you go with Undertaker versus somebody who he's had experience with, he's been accustomed to in the ring before, or you go with Undertaker against somebody he's never worked before ever. The young guy I'm referring to is Kevin Owens. They seem to be building Owens up as this, like, monster badass right now, and I'm not saying that he's going to win his match with Dean Ambrose, but he's the only young guy on the roster right now that I think is the closest thing to being ready to wrestle an Undertaker at WrestleMania. Okay, I'm not saying that's a scenario that's going to happen, but that's just my opinion. An individual that Undertaker's accustomed to is someone like Kane. Kane's been kind of drifting in and out since the storyline with the Wyatts. I'm not saying that I would be intrigued to see him and Kane again, but if Undertaker were to retire and he wants to go out against somebody that he is so closely associated with with him, in his career, Kane would be a perfect option. It would be a safe option. They've done it before. It's worked. I'm not saying it would work this time, but it's worked before, and I could understand why they would go that direction. And the third option for Undertaker is Sting. Now, I know we've talked about it a million times on this show. The buildup would be awesome. The match delivery would be kind of eh, okay? And I do agree with that to a certain extent. I, I truly do. Sting, however, has not been cleared to return. He is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Could they make it work? Absolutely, I think they could. If if WWE were to clear Sting to wrestle, and it would be the dream match that everybody's been wanting to see. It would be a big selling point for WrestleMania. And I do think, in some ways, match time, they can deliver. I truly believe that. Ken, you and I both didn't think that there was going to be any sort of real delivery between Triple H and Sting last year at WrestleMania, and look at all the tricks they pulled out with the NWO and DX and, and, and you know, all the, all the stuff that they pulled out in that match. It made for one of the most memorable matches in WrestleMania history. 
So I think that there's possibility if they were to do a Sting versus Undertaker match that it could deliver to a certain degree in in the match form. So right now, as far where I'm sitting, I think those are the three best scenarios and options with what they've got going for them right now for Undertaker at WrestleMania. It, it remains to be seen when he's going to return. I, I, I think if WWE were smart, if they, if they want to get the ball rolling on his angle to get people invested in, in, in a credible opponent for him, I would have Undertaker enter as a surprise enter in the Royal Rumble on Sunday. I truly would. Get the ball rolling then. It gives people time to invest in who's going to face him or potentially face him at WrestleMania to make the match have some form of meaning. But time will tell on that. Yeah, I mean, and they're all good names. You know, it's interesting when you 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 look at the names and you take them one by one. Um, You know, Sting, the build would be great. Uh, You know, if they went into the direction of Taker going into the Hall of Fame as well, that would be... uh, you know, intriguing if they're they're wrestling each other at WrestleMania. Um, I agree with you. I think that I, I was pleasantly surprised with Sting. Although, what what condition is Sting in now? Um, you know, and that whole idea of you know that comfort factor in the ring. Um, look, the two seasoned veterans. I have no doubt they put on a show. Uh, but with the two of them, the uh, suspense factor is is like nil. Uh, I don't think there's any prayer of Sting beating Taker uh, at WrestleMania. So entertainment value, yeah, you know, maybe they put on a a decent match. Um, Suspense factor, not really there for me. Um, I I think the other two candidates are kind of intriguing, uh, especially knowing that there has been, uh, you know, you hear the rumors that at some point uh, Taker may have wanted to give the streak to Kane. Uh, Kane and Taker have a long history of both being uh, aligned with each other and being rivals. Uh, you know, does Taker drop a WrestleMania match to Kane? Um, I think the suspense factor, again, like when I'm looking at each of these names, it's a little greater. Uh, I, I think that maybe this is something that uh, maybe Taker does lose. Maybe this this last time against his brother, uh, Kane does get the upper hand. I would tend to doubt it. Um, but I do think the suspense is, uh, is at, least, at least a little greater than it would be uh, with Sting. Um, you know, it's something that hasn't been done before. Yes. Uh, is the Internet going to crap all over it because it's been done before? Most likely, yes. Um, again, two guys, two veterans uh, know each other. And this is the one guy, uh, to your point, Dave, that Taker would probably feel the safest with uh, being in the ring. They know each other. Um, and, and they'll probably put on a decent show as well. I do think the Kevin Owens thing is very intriguing. Um, and, you know, you bring up uh, an excellent point, Dave. I mean, if you have Taker as a surprise entrant into the Royal Rumble, um, and you have someone in the Rumble screw him over in some way, shape, or form, uh, it definitely could get that old ball rolling, uh, especially with that idea of, you know, if, and it's a big if, 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 the commentators do their job and <laughs> and Taker and then really, you know, when Taker comes down, if Taker comes down to the ring in the Royal Rumble and they kind of play it up, you know, that this is the end of his career. He's, he's been around a long time. 
This could be Taker's last chance at this title. Uh, you know, things like that. If the commentators did their job, um, and then you had someone screw him in in the Rumble, uh, you can really get that ball rolling. Uh, and I think Owens might be like one of the perfect guys for it. Now, I still, you know, I, I think there is a little bit suspense, you know, does does Taker like drop a match at WrestleMania to kind of help push uh, a newer guy? And maybe he does. You know, maybe he does. I think out of those three candidates, the least likely to beat Taker at WrestleMania Sting. Uh, I, I think Owens has got, you know, he's playing a, a true heel. Um, you know, a guy, I mean, he's this overweight guy that looks sloppy in, in gym shorts and, and, a, and a muscle shirt, and he's disrespectful. And, you know, what better way to, to take the guy who arguably, uh, you know, is is one of the most respected, I'm saying one of the most respected guy probably in the business right now, in The Undertaker, and and take a, a foe that just will spit in the face and, and really could, you know, character-wise, could care less what respect you think you're owed. Um, I, I think that would be a very intriguing matchup. I think it would be a, an intriguing storyline uh, heading towards WrestleMania, and when I look at what Owens uh, can do and his whole character and his, his verbiage and everything else he brings to the table, uh, you know, I, I see him a guy, you know, when you have Taker, who is a part-timer, um, you know, Owens, I think, could carry it. And if he can't, it's a good test. I mean, he is new. He's, he's young. Uh, it's a good test to see how far he can go as far as being a main eventer. Uh, if you have The Undertaker... Uh, still doing his part-time thing, and you need Owens to kind of carry that storyline heading towards WrestleMania. I mean, you know, Dave, is there anyone else on the co- on the, the the in the company that could play off that disrespectful angle uh, better than Kevin Owens would? I, I, you know, offhand, I can't think of anyone. I think that would be a a prime example. Um, I, I again, I doubt he's going to win. Um, but I think out of the three, to me at least, that would be the most intriguing just to see, uh, you know, right? Because in my head right now, I, I could just visualize the build that they would do with Sting and Taker. You can visualize the build that, that would happen with, with Kane and, and Taker. Um, the Owens-Taker thing, it, it would kind of at least get me a little bit excited to see exactly what direction they're, go- they're going to go in to build this program, to build the storyline heading in. I think it would be very intriguing. Um, maybe not the ticket sale cachet that you'd want out of a, a Taker Cena that you're going to get. Um, so it's a difficult thing for the WWE to reconcile. I think if you put on the bill Taker Sting, Taker Sting sells tickets. Um, Owens Taker, I don't know if that's going to sell as many tickets, but for me as a wrestling fan, uh, that will be the most intriguing matchup. Owens ticket does, Owens excuse me Owens Taker does not have box office build okay it doesn't like you said Taker and Sting does okay but it all depends on the direction that they put it in okay it all depends on how they do it I mean I, I'm I'm willing to bet that Undertaker will probably not be a part of the Royal Rumble match this Sunday I've not heard anything but then again it could be one of those well kept secrets that WWE's been known to 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 perform uh, in recent years um, but. It could start something like that. It could be Undertaker's a surprise, 
and Owens is pissed from losing the last man standing match to Ambrose earlier in the evening. He's not even in the Royal Rumble match. He comes in, he just starts laying people out with a chair, and Undertaker just happens to be one of the guys that is in his direct line of sight. He hits him and knocks him over the ropes. Undertaker's eliminated, then you're off to the races. There's one other guy on the roster, though, after having this discussion with you that I think could definitely hold up their own in a WrestleMania buildup with Undertaker, and it's Bray Wyatt from last year. If, if It could be another one. They could redeem. They have history together. It could be a redeeming. They could redeem themselves in a way and pass that torch to him. And then maybe you could set up Wyatt winning or Wyatt even losing to Undertaker, but the, but the Wyatt family turns on Bray, and then there you have it. Like He's got that sign of respect from Bray. He lost, you know, he lost, but or he's got that sign of respect from Undertaker, but he lost. Undertaker kind of gives him the nod, so to speak, but the Wyatts kind of jump him, and then maybe they kind of fight them back at the end, similar to what happened with Rock and Hogan in, at 18. And then there you have it, Bray's, Bray's, Bray's the baby face of fear, so to speak. I mean, that's something that could work too, but Owens is a fresh matchup, and I think that they do have other plans for Bray Wyatt. That's something that we'll discuss on our Royal Rumble pre-show. Um, but, yeah, the disrespectful aspect to it definitely, definitely, definitely is right up the alley of Kevin Owens, especially against a guy who has the most amount of respect in the entire wrestling business, that being The Undertaker. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's, it's a perfect, like, I mean, they, they, are, they are the antithesis to each other, you know. Um Remains to be seen. It should be interesting to see exactly what direction they go in. Uh, you know, you got to figure the WWE, they got to be reeling, uh, you know, trying to figure out when you got to, you know, you're ready to put on the WrestleMania bill that you're going Cena Taker. And uh, Cena is on the shelf. Um, you know, got to be scrambling. We'll see what happens uh, on the Facebook page. And again, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy show if you want to uh, get on there and join the chat. Uh, friend Mike uh, put up. Uh, what about Sheamus? Sheamus versus Taker. Um, intriguing. No. Uh, not something I, I, I'd get necessarily excited about. It's not a needle mover as far as ticket sales. Uh, he is a heel. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be an intriguing, hard-hitting matchup. Uh, however, I, I don't know if I'd get that excited uh, over Sheamus versus Taker. But I, I guess, you know, anything is possible. What do you think about Sheamus, Dave? Um, with the way that he's been booked since he lost the title, he's kind of been flip-flopped around a little bit. I don't, I mean, unless tonight, all the way till WrestleMania, he goes on some sort of tear and he's been, you know, looked at as some unstoppable monster, then I could see it possibly happening. But, I mean, he's been made to look like a fool at times, but then he gets to say even Stephen Booking that we've been talking about. He's been another victim of that. And it doesn't, it, there's no suspense. At least with Owens, there's a slight amount of suspense in the due to the fact that nobody, and I said this back in May, nobody predicted Kevin Owens was going to beat John Cena in his first main roster pay-per-view match, clean one, two, three in the middle. You take that into account, heading into a match with Undertaker, there's a lot more suspense going in. Well, there you have it. Your thoughts. We want to hear from you guys. 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. We're going to get to your calls after the break. Immediately after the break, we're going to have director-producer Mark Chervinsky talking about 
his latest movie, At What Cost, An Anatomy of Professional Wrestling. But first, do it each and every show at this time. It is time now for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. It's that time once again. This is the Day 5 50-50 News Report, brought to you in part by 1640 PWPR, Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio Network, and more. Can't forget about the more. Subscribe for free on iTunes right now, and you will find this show and a diverse group of others at 1640 PWPR that apply their craft in the art of professional wrestling talk. Top story this week, following up the breaking news last week, that AJ Styles, Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, and Shinsuke Nakamura are WWE bound. Several developments have surfaced regarding the foursome's impending arrival. Several wrestling media outlets have reported that Shinsuke Nakamura is headed to the WWE Performance Center next month. While in the U.S., Nakamura is expected to undergo WWE's medical testing. If he passes, he's expected to sign. Nakamura was recently stripped of the IWGP Intercontinental title from New Japan this past week, but he's still expected to fulfill the remaining dates on his New Japan deal by the end of this month. In regards to Anderson and Gallows, once their remaining dates with ROH and New Japan expire, it's rumored that they will be joining the NXT brand in the month of March. It's also rumored they may be forming a faction with current NXT champion Finn Balor upon arrival. As evident by Balor's character demeanor at NXT live events over the weekend, Balor worked as a heel in matches against Sami Zayn. Balor has even teased his former Bullet Club members joining him in NXT on social media since news broke of their departure from New Japan. And finally, on the subject of AJ Styles, it appears that Styles was offered an alleged blown-away type deal to come to WWE. PW Insider reports that Ring of Honor was offering Styles close to six figures to stay with the organization under a long-term contract. The contract would have entailed Styles to still work for New Japan Pro Wrestling as he's become very popular overseas since he joined the organization. But once Styles revealed WWE had made him an offer, ROH officials knew they couldn't compete with him and negotiations were allegedly off as the company pulled Styles from all advertising of future events. That is until this afternoon. Ring of Honor announced today that they will be sending off AJ Styles in grand fashion this Saturday night in Duluth, Georgia. The advertisement only states that Styles will be in attendance for photo opportunities and autographs. Information regarding a match has not been mentioned. That could change. Let it be known that all of this information is speculative, and none of the four mentioned above have signed contracts with WWE at this time. Speaking of New Japan, it looks as if the company may be in the market for a new lead commentator for their AXS television program here in the United States. That individual in question is 2007 WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. Rumors over the weekend surfaced that Ross would be named the new lead commentator for the promotion's U.S. programming, to which Ross immediately denied on his official Twitter account. Later in the weekend, Ross confirmed on his official blog that his camp has had talks with AXS TV but a deal has not been finalized, and they're still figuring out particulars to the agreement. You know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's, that kind of stuff. As of this writing, Jim Ross and his commentating services still reside in the land of free agency. But if he does sign with AXS, then he would be replacing Mauro Ranallo, the new lead commentator on WWE SmackDown. The story has made the rounds late this week. is one provided by the Wrestling Observer Live podcast. 
they speculated that there's talk within WWE management that there may be a chance that Hulk Hogan could return just in time for this year's WrestleMania. If there is a high risk of backlash, then the company may hold off for now. PW Insider speculates that WWE is not entertaining the idea of bringing Hogan back. That is until his trial with Bucker concludes. The trial is set to begin three weeks before WrestleMania. After this story broke this week, Hogan himself confirmed on Twitter that he has not had any contact with WWE regarding a return, and he would only be at this year's WrestleMania in spirit. On the subject of WrestleMania, news developed regarding the city potentially hosting next year's WrestleMania in 2017. The mayor's office for the city of Orlando, Florida, confirmed the long-standing rumors that the city is in the running and has submitted a bid to host WrestleMania 33 in 2017. Deputy Chief of Staff for Mayor Buddy Dyer, Heather Fagan, confirmed to the Orlando Sentinel that they have not received notification and are waiting to hear just like other cities in the running. In 2008, yours truly was in attendance for WrestleMania 24 at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. The stadium recently has gone through heavy renovations to keep up with the standards of today's massive professional sports stadiums. Just speculation on my part, but this Sunday's Royal Rumble emanates from the city of Orlando. It's usually around this time of year when WWE reveals the next city to host WrestleMania. And I'm expecting by this time next week, WWE will reveal if Orlando hosts WrestleMania 33. Some surprisingly good news for TNA Wrestling this week as the Twitter account of MLW Radio revealed that TNA is receiving a rights fee to air Impact Wrestling on Pop TV. This claim refutes previous stories that TNA was paying for their time slot with the network. With this good news comes news that the company is looking to sign new talent, restructure current deals, and sweeten the pot on existing deals with currently contracted talent. This news also is a good sign that Pop TV is making TNA a priority for their network moving forward. All in all, I consider this good news for TNA Wrestling. And to round out the news this week comes a story involving a certain WWE Hall of Famer that we reported on last week, Sonny. If you thought the pity train was moving at a steady speed, then think again, as conductor Sonny has picked up the pace as she informed TMZ this past week that she would be selling her WWE Hall of Fame ring as a way to move on from the company and her wrestling career. The bid began at $3,000 on eBay, but shortly thereafter, the listing was taken down for unknown reasons, and developments this morning could explain why. It seems that adult film company Vivid Entertainment's Steve Hirsch has publicly made Sonny an offer on the ring for a whopping $100,000 if she were to perform in a 90-minute sex tape. Hirsch is allowing Sonny to choose where she shoots and who she cares to work with and hopes to have the deal done in two weeks. Reasons being that her sentencing for her DUI case in Pennsylvania takes place on the 29th of this month. In the sick and twisted mind that is Dave Rosenbluth, I've speculated on several upcoming titles for Sonny's first adult film. Titles such as The Warden's Favorite Diva, Erections in Corrections, starring Sonny, and my personal favorite, It's Always Sonny in the D.O.C. Folks, that will do it for me this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Anything you missed in this week's report can be found on the official Facebook account of The Ken Reedy Show and 1640 PWPR, as I will have a transcript up after tonight's broadcast. Ken, back to you. And here we go. We are very excited. We have, uh, first time on the show, director-producer Mark Trevinsky. 
He's got a new movie that is available for download right now at what cost and anatomy of professional wrestling. Uh, he's been involved in a number of different things. He has won the Maverick Filmmaker Award, and we are happy to have him on the show tonight. Let's bring him up. Mark, how you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being on. You know, um, interesting stuff. I, I've been watching the film. Um, you know, give us, I mean, it, it's interesting that, like, you're, you're looking at aspects, you're looking at uh, stars, you're looking at the independent scene. Um, what what brought you to professional wrestling and, and want to make this film? Um, well, my first exposure to professional wrestling was, you know, as a young kid, I watched um, WrestleMania 1, and I was hooked for, you know, about four good years, you know, tuned in every Saturday before I had cable TV. So, you know, I only got the one Saturday broadcast, but... Um, but I, you know, I loved it, and um, I, you know, you know, that was one of the few kids in school that actually watched it. But you know, we recreate the moves and jump off couches and stuff like that. So uh, I, I had that that in my uh, in my youth, and then um, I kind of got away from it. But I had a college roommate that you know introduced me to Goldberg, and uh, you know, I'd watch you know watch the pay per views because we had a cheater box back in the day, which was. Uh, you know, he was very, very excited about. Um, and then when I moved to Hollywood, you know, started getting into making movies, um, I ended up cutting uh, Wrestling Society X for uh, Kevin Kleinwright and, um, or Kleinrock. And, um, you know, got exposed to, like, Teddy Hart and, um, you know, Jack Evans, you know, the, the, the airbenders, if you will. And um, I was just kind of like, you know, I couldn't believe these guys are going out there. And then I found out what they're getting paid. And I was like, this is insane. Why, you know, why do these guys do it? So I kind of wanted to make a movie um, just to kind of find out what makes these wrestlers tick. And um, yeah, it, it was like a four year journey. Um, just, uh, you know, start, start with, um, I think Paul London was the first, first guy that I got that actually had a name. And uh, then he introduced me to Spanky and, you know, luck would have it. I was out to lunch with another friend of mine, and uh, he's like, "Hey, would you be interested in uh, interviewing Diamond Dallas Page?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to." And uh, and so I got in touch with Dallas, and he's like, "Sure, come on out, and you can er- interview Jake Roberts too." And I was like, "Well, that's awesome. I wasn't expecting that." So uh, went out to the accountability crib, and you know, put the camera on Jake and DDP for a couple hours, and you know, the doc was off and running. Tell us a little bit about that. What was it like being in the uh, accountability crib, uh, being in the presence of Jake the Snake and, and DDP? I and mean, we all know uh, the journey that Jake the Snake has been on. What was it like being there? It was uh, it was good. You know, Jake, Jake just uh, had his shoulder surgery. So, um, but you know, what I what I noticed right away, and what I you know, what I found to be not so much the case anymore is just how huge these guys were. I mean, they're. I mean, they're like six six and like the tower over me, and uh, you know they they are exactly what I thought. Like you know what professional wrestlers you know uh, should be. You know, larger than life humans, and um, luckily very cool and uh, very down to earth. Which which was, uh, um, but yeah, it was it was amazing just being there, listening to the war stories. You know, I mean, obviously I had the camera on Jake for three hours, and you know that didn't all make the make the cut. Maybe that's uh, you know a lot of bonus features for the DVD, I guess. But uh, you know, just listening to Jake's journey—he's such a good storyteller. Um, uh, 
so it's, it was just fascinating to listen to him. And like, you know, I went, um, you know, uh, with, with DDP, you know, I went to watch him teach a yoga class and that was cool. And like, uh, everybody's just saying all good, good stuff about his yoga and, you know, how it's changed their lives. And, you know, I mean, obviously it did, uh, immense for, uh, immense good for Jake and, uh, Scott Hall. So it was, uh, it was just kind of cool being there and listening to the stories. So you, you said you kind of, you know, you wanted to do the documentary to, uh, you know, see what makes these guys tick. Um, you know, you, you, you know, you have guys like Dave Marquez on, you know, mentioned Jake the Snake. So you, you, you run the gamut of like uh, legends and then guys that are trying to make it, uh, trying to do something in this business. Um, did you come close to, to at least figuring out or, or theorizing what makes these guys tick? Um, not not as close as I wanted to. Um, <laughs> I, I found uh, I found the Weekend Warriors a little more re- relatable to me. You know, guys that have nine to five uh, jobs Monday through Friday, and then uh, you know throw on the spandex on the weekends. Um, and as we all know, that you know that never would have happened. You know, thirty years ago, no no one would let them in the business. So um, that that I kind of understood a little bit more. Guys trying to live out their fantasies and you know having a real um, uh, I guess a, a, a real outlook on you know the, how much they can actually get out of the wrestling business and you know or what they can give to it. Um, but it's the guys that um, that are undersized and wrestling their only job, and they're you know getting you know ten dollars a match, a diet coke here, a hot dog there. Those are the guys I, I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on. I mean, I guess it's I guess it's the rush you know between between the ropes and the crowd. But, you know, how much of that is, you know, worth their body and, uh, you know, the time and effort it goes into being, being a professional wrestler. Because, you know, as we all know, to be a good one, it's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. So it was, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite, you know, figure out, you know, what, the, what that passion was. But, you know, I'm also not in the ring, so I, I can't really put my finger on it. Interesting. Was there any... Um... You know, between the, I mean, Weekend Warriors, whatever, was there any um, interview or moment that kind of su- surprised you? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a ton. Like, uh, I, I think my favorite interview I did um, it was uh, with uh, the Almighty Sheik, I think, because he had such an insight into the business and, and spoke very intelligently about um, you know, what it takes to be a good heel and, um, and, you know, the, um, uh, how hard it is to get in this business and, you know, the people that are diluting the products from, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the people with bad gear and, you know, have no business being in the ring. So everybody thinks the independent circuit is all crap because, you know, they're looking at these guys when there's, you know, really, really talented independent wrestlers out there trying to make a name for themselves and, you know, you kind of take, take the good with the bad, and um, I just, I just really, really liked uh, um, what Sheik had to say, and I thought Sin Bodhi was came across very well in that movie too. Um, you know, just, just uh, guys have been there and done that a little bit, you know, in different, um, different realms of the, you know, the square circle, so to speak. Mark, there's been several d- wrestling documentaries that have come out over the years. With your documentary, 
documentary, what sets yours apart from others that have come out in previous years? Um, I think uh, I'm a filmmaker first, a uh, wrestling fan second, and I think a lot of the ones, um, you know, like I don't think there's been a really good wrestling documentary since Beyond the Mat. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I might be missing one or two here, but uh, I think that, you know, I was able to tell a story of the guys that, you know, had been there, done that, um, you know, like Hall of Famers, like Greg Hammer and, um, you know, Jake and DDP, and then there's, you know, up-and-comers, and, um, you know, I got, and then guys who, like, uh, like your Paul Londons and Brian Kendricks, who, you know, got to the WWE and for whatever reason, you know, didn't resonate, you know, or got on, uh, got on the wrong side of Vince and then got kicked out, and that's, that's kind of where I was, um, I was, uh, like, I, I felt bad for these guys, you know, because I knew, you know, I knew how hard it was for them to, um, you know, to get there and all the hard work they, you know, put in to get to the WWE. And, like, that's really the only, only uh, place you can actually make a living at it, you know? I mean, you, I mean, some guys in TNA maybe, um, but, you know, there's so, so much of the, you know, the pie is, or the lion's share is up at WWE. And if you're not, you're not one of those top guys, you know, you're, you know, all, you're all, you know, all the town in the world and, and, and no place to display it. So you're, you know, you're off to Japan, ho- hopefully, you know, to, to uh, you know, or, or Mexico or something, you know, you know, kick around and, and make your own, you know, your own uh, money. It's, it's, uh, but I think I got off to- topic there. I, um, what separates mine from, uh, I just think it's I think it's told really well, and I, I like the uh, I like the arc of uh, you know riding with the heels through the the, um, uh, the Smoky Mountains, you know, from uh, Knoxville to to uh, Arkansas, um, and and seeing what it takes to be you know, be on those road trips, and um, I, I just think there's a lot of insight there that any wrestling fan would you know really enjoy. In regards to telling a story as a filmmaker, like you had mentioned earlier, without giving away too much, obviously, for our listeners, was there any particular moment or any particular story that you did not expect to be displayed in front of the camera during the filmmaking process, but after thinking about it, you had no choice but to include it in your in yeah. the final cut of the film? I, th- I think... Um... You know, the Sigma is very open about taking steroids, you know, and how uh, how much, you know, money, you know, how much uh, he got, uh, um, weight he put on, and uh, I think he put like on 30 pounds in, you know, in a matter of a couple of weeks, and how, how, uh, how you know, how well he performed, and, you know, it's a vanity business. And I didn't think I was going to, you know, I mean, I kind of went looking for one thing, and I didn't know what what, was, what that was going to be, because I never know what someone's going to say when they open up their mouth. But, yeah, he's very open about uh you know, taking steroids, and and I, I didn't know how that would come across. I think it came across well. I mean, he, you know, he offered up the information, so you know, kind of went back and forth. Like, well, do I put this in? But I mean, it's, it is part of the story, you know, and like what these guys will put themselves through. And his reasoning for not doing steroids anymore wasn't health reasons; it was because he couldn't afford them. So, um, you know, he says he'd probably do it again. So that that was that was one of the, one of the things that I thought was. Uh, um, very interesting, and um, you know, I, I think uh, I loved the story of uh, Jake Roberts uh, getting the shit kicked out of Santa Claus in the in the seventies. Um, 
which you know I'll, I'll let, you can find that up on YouTube as well. I, I put that as a bonus feature a while ago, but it made the cut of the movie. Um, and then uh, yeah, Jake's so proud of that moment. And um, one thing that didn't make the cut uh, was another Jake story about um, how he and um, uh, Savage had gotten into it because uh, Randy's um, or Elizabeth's parents didn't know that wrestling wasn't um, 100% real. So they thought that uh, Jake, that he wasn't being a good um a good husband to Elizabeth, and they wanted her to divorce him. So Randy came into the to the ring, and um, and was actually like you know throwing real real haymakers at Jake because he was really pissed at him for you know the the the, uh, the shit he was taking from his parents or his parents-in-law. So I thought that was a really interesting story. Was and, and one final question for me in the process of making this film. Um, I, I would imagine just not only as a fan, but maybe even as a filmmaker, that you had certain expectations as to how this process is going to go. Was there any scenario, situation, or maybe even any individual that you were working with during the process of making this film where your expectations were at a certain level and for whatever reason it didn't live up to your expect that person or their the yeah um story I, that they you know, I got, didn't live up I got to the expectations. yeah there, there was there was uh you, you never know what's going to come out of someone's mouth when you put the camera on them um i was hoping for a better interview with uh willie mack um and it just you know it was fine and um you know he ends up making the cut of the movie but like his interview wasn't all that you know i i like i liked his on-screen persona so i was expecting something more and maybe he's just a little more shy when the camera is rolling, you know, when he's not in character. Um, nothing against Willie Willie's a good guy, but I just, you know, didn't get the the sound bites out of him that I wanted. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, like I said, I, I, uh, I, I you know, Joey, um, Almighty Sheik was just, kind of, he was one of the last guys I interviewed, and, like, almost everything came out of his mouth was gold, so, I, you know, I didn't have any expected expectations when I put the camera on him and then you know he just had a plethora of knowledge so you just don't know what someone's going to say when you put the camera on them and uh, you know I I go to these indie shows and if I didn't know the person if I liked, I just liked their look you know um, you know I, I would you know ask them a few questions and then basically if you know if the interview's not going well I'll just pull the plug and say okay thanks and you know move on you know but some people just keep it, keep it going and uh, it's you just never know. And what I, I'm just curious, like as a fan and being a fan of pro wrestling, um, and, and looking at the, the business as a whole, um, did your opinions on the wrestling business change uh, after making this film? And and overall, what are your thoughts on the wrestling business? Um. I understand now a little bit more why um, why Vince goes for the family entertainment aspect because you know you can get a whole plethora of kids there you know and, and, and you get four people through the door as opposed to just trying to go out to the you know to the you know the, the people in their twenties that are only paying for one ticket or you know maybe two of them and a buddy show up um, I I see where there's potential to make money but I think it's very difficult and you gotta you gotta have that T V contract, you know, you gotta be able to have a 
an audience there. Um, you know, because I mean, like David Marquez, he gives you know he gives us tickets away for for free just to fill the stands. And you know, I I went to uh, like uh, Brian Hendricks King of Flight. You know, and it was the best fifteen dollars I ever spent. It was eight of the you know best high flyers in the business. You know, Paul London and Ricochet and Samurai Del Sol and the Young Bucks and uh, a few others. And I was I was just actually blown away by the matches. And I was like, this is the the most you know I've gotten you know most entertainment I've gotten out of fifteen dollars in a long time. And it's just too bad that too many of those you know shows are you know. I think I think the business has had this bad rap because I think so, there's so many shady people in it, um, and you know people don't get paid or they, you know promises are made and and people try to um, you know weasel out of stuff. So it's it's not the uh, you know the most honest business I guess. You know when everybody's trying to make a buck. So um, I, I found you, you know when I was. Dealing with the guy uh, Mike Lana, who I got a lot of my uh, photos with, he was very weary of me, you know, purchasing photos from him, and he, you know, he wanted all his money up front, and because you know, he's been dealing with, you know, uh, wrestling business people his whole life, and I was like, you got to remember, I'm a filmmaker, not a wrestling, not in the wrestling business. I'm pretty honest about this. If I say I'm going to pay you something, I'm going to pay you exactly that. So. Um, but he was a big help and I got a lot of those, uh, you know, archival footage or, um, archival, uh, you know, shots that he's been doing for the last 30 years. So it's nice to be able to have photos that, uh, you know, for the times I couldn't you know, put the camera on people. Great stuff. Thank you for, for giving us a, a couple minutes. Uh, great stuff in the movie, a great look at the wrestling business. And before we let you go, please let all our listeners know, they want to run out there now. They want to watch the movie. How can they get out there and watch the movie? The easiest way is to go to my website, which is at whatcostthefilm.com. Um, also, you can follow me on Twitter with, at WrestlingDoc. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's links links to the, the movie, and there's some good, you know, T-shirts and posters there, some limited edition uh, posters. Um And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can probably find it on Facebook, too. Um, I you just have to type in that, you know, at what cost, and it'll probably pop right up. Um, but, yeah, I appreciate you having me on and talk about my movie a little bit, uh, and I hope everybody out there sees it because I think it's, uh, I think it's, a, it's a good product that uh, all wrestling fans should see. Definitely. Thank you for, for being on, and uh, love to talk to you again soon. Good luck with everything. Head out, see the movie, download it. Great stuff. Mark, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take it easy, man. And there you have it, filmmaker Mark Travinsky. Uh, interesting stuff, Dave. I mean, it is, you know, as, uh, you know, I mean, it, he's talking. I am one of those weekend warriors, um, you know, the, the wrestling business. And he's right, you know, you see certain guys that are out there trying to make a living at it. Uh, it it's not an easy business. And he's got, you know, I mean, he was at the accountability crib. Uh, he's got, you know, independence on, on his, uh, in the movie as well as legends, uh, just great stuff all around. And it, it was great hearing his insight on the wrestling business. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of time that it took for him to tell this story and going out there and actually experiencing life on the road as like a weekend warrior, as, as he had coined the phrase, um, is it's very cool, and it gives you a different perspective of what you know 
the guys not on television go through just to get to television and just to get to the main stage like a WWE or even a TNA in a ring of honor. Um, it's, it's very humbling and, and uh, you know, uh, very informative of what guys in this business, the trials and tribulations they go through to pursue a dream, and it's pretty much at any cost. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Like I said, be sure to check out the movie. It's it's uh, you know you got to go out and download it. It's not in theaters, so go to at whatcostthefilm.com. We're going to throw the link up on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Show, so you can get the link there. Uh, here we go. Wait, I'm going to hit publish. And there we go. The link is on the Facebook page now, so you check it out. Get over there. Download it. Uh, watch the film. they got the trailer there on the website as well, so great stuff. And again, thanks a lot, Mark, for joining us for a bit. Let's get on it now. You, you want to talk about uh, the movie? Cool and the gang, we can talk movie, we can talk what, who the heck is Taker going to face at WrestleMania, we can talk what we think we're going to see tonight on Monday Night Raw, you guys, you call us, bring it, 347-838-9815 is the number to call, we're going to go out to the phones now, so we got our buddy Rocky, who's on the line, Rocky, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, guys, what's going on? Not much, you know, uh, just talking to some filmmaker, you know, the usual, um, what do you want to talk about? Bring it today. Yeah, all right. I thought the the filmmaker, I thought he had a lot of stuff to say. It was very interesting because uh, we, we've had this conversation before. If you look at, at just the ins and outs of pro wrestling, uh, there, there's so much material there, so much trial and tribulation just rife for, for, for storytelling purposes. You know, and the story really does tell itself. It's it's great. You know, the, just going back to previous conversa- conversations we've had about Tough Enough, where they do all these cheesy, uh, you know, challenges and all this kind of manufactured, over-scripted type of conflict, you, you, you don't even need that. The, the, the wrestling business itself is just so interesting. It, it, you... you all you need is you need a good a good camera and someone who can frame a story well, and it's right, the material is right there for the taking. Uh, past that, going back to uh, what you guys were discussing before, uh, the two subjects, obviously, uh, you know, rest in peace, Iron Mike Sharp, you know, Canada's greatest athlete. I think I think you guys bring up a very good point when it comes to enhancement talent or, or, or lack thereof in the business these days. I think it, it, you know they definitely have their place, especially in this day and age when you look at the internet wrestling community and people who get so up in arms when when their guy loses, like. Of course, back in the day, back in the 80s when we used to watch, and you, no one was happy when their guy lost, but no one ever thought, you know, uh, of course, then you had kayfabe was alive and well, but even at, even after getting, getting past kayfabe, no one really was of the mindset of, my guy lost, he's getting buried. My, you know, oh my God, I can't believe he lost, oh, they're burying him. You know, I, I, I to your point, I think... The use of an enhancement talent, 
not only just on screen to keep guys sharp, but just to see a a, a, a blend or, or a change up of the style of wrestling. Because remember, back in the day, when you're talking territories, you also had those te- those guys who just went from territory to territory, just being job. You know, we're we're throwing you to the wolves, so to speak. But hey, you get to wrestle somebody new, and you get to face a different style. And maybe not. It's not a style that you're used to. It's not a style that the fans have seen you wrestle against. And I think it it, it goes to broadening a wrestler's horizons, making him a, b- a better grappler overall. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's an excellent point. I mean, I just, uh, you know, it's something that bringing, uh, uh, at least in some, you know, it might be a, an evolution of, of what enhancement talent could be. But, I, I you know, pro wrestling, and, and that's in, in its truest sense, and it's uh, – as an art form to me, and, and one of the things I love about pro wrestling is, you know, I know like enhancement talent jobbers, but I, I, I've always appreciated the fact that, that um, you know, everyone has a job, uh, so to speak. And uh, when you get in that ring, you know, if you're, if you're the baby face, you're, you're the guy that's got to get the crowd, you know, on your side. You're the heel. Your job is to get, um, you know, the crowd to hate you and like the baby face even more. That is your job. Um, as a as an enhancement talent, your job was to uh, put the other guy over. And, um, you know, it is something that, you know, we talk about that even Stephen Booking, that um, it, it's tough for anybody to get any sort of momentum nowadays. So, um, you know, again, it might be a, a different version than we, we saw, but in, in some way, shape, or form, um, I think that that would be good. And you're right. It's a weird kind of era right now because I never remember watching wrestling younger saying, oh, my guy is being buried. He's he's lost, you know. The last two matches I've seen, he's lost. They're burying him. And just, it's, it's just a different vibe nowadays. And, uh, you know, right now the uh, the waters are a little muddied and maybe the, the uh, bringing back of some enhancement talent may help to uh, clear those waters a bit. Uh, your thought, Dave? In the 80s, we didn't have internet and we didn't have dirt sheets. I mean, we just saw what we saw on TV and then we waited till the next week, you know. Obviously, nowadays with the internet and social media and information at our fingertips at the drop of a hat, you know, things have changed when it comes to, when it comes to the, the vernacular and the terminology that we, that we talk of on this show in regards to the, the, the wrestling content we see on TV. Um, I, you know, after... To, you know, delving into this conversation a little longer, I, I've come to I've come to realize that, you know, in a sense, we do have enhancement talent in today's wrestling product. It's just lower card guys, and they just so happen to have a more colorful gimmick than the the the, the plain Jane or the Joe Blow that we used to see, you know, every week in the '80s. I mean, if you think about it, you look at like Heath Slater. You know, or the Los Matadors. Uh, you know, you don't see them catching many wins, but they they're there to make sure that other guys are looking good. Um, you know, our truth, our truth. He's his job is to you know he, he's likable to kids. He gets the crowd pumped up, but he makes other guys look good. Does he catch a win here and there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Curtis Axel. You know, everyone that saw superstardom destined for him just because he shared the same last name as his father, Mister Perfect, Kurt Henning, and. 
He's just basically become a glorified enhancement talent. He just happens to have a little bit more of a personality than the guys that we saw in the 80s in TV. So after thinking about it, enhancement talent isn't necessarily – the jobber era isn't necessarily dead. It's just it's not brought to light to the forefront like it was when we were younger watching wrestling. But I would consider some of the guys on WWE TV, with all due respect, enhancement talent. They make other guys look good. Plain and simple. Zack Ryder, he's the biggest one. He's, the, he's probably the most – He's probably the most talent, most talented jobber in WWE right now. He's got a gimmick. He's got he sells merchandise whenever they decide to give him merchandise. Now he hasn't had that for a while. He's over with the audience. He's like a modern day Barry Horowitz. Well, it, it, it's a fair point. My my only contention with that point is what comparing the jobbers of yesteryear to to the way you put Dave the the enhancement talent of today. Well, you know, let's let's just take an example you, you threw out there. Our truth. I still remember a time when our truth was in. You know, he was in the heavyweight title picture. Uh, you know, he he was having matches with Cena and yeah. supposed to be a credible threat. You know, and you take you take uh, Curtis Axel. Man held the IC title for a bit. Uh, you know, yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. There. I'm sorry to interrupt. You know, it reminds me of a name that you know if you. You're a history buff, and you watch a little WCW. You obviously remember beautiful Bobby Eaton, one half of the Midnight Express, for arguably one of the greatest tag teams in the history of this business. Look Absolutely. what he got turned into. Look what he got turned into. He was doing jobs on Nitro, Thunder, WCW Saturday Night. He was, but he made everybody look like a million bucks. So no, it's, it's, very, it's very true. It's very true. And you know, also, also, just, just to close on the subject another aspect of it uh, of of the jobber when you look at uh when you look at the pay-per-views today let's say let's just take an example of a feud that's going on right now kevin owens dean ambrose now what's exciting about watching kevin and kevin not that it's not a good feud i'm definitely into it and i can watch those guys both of those guys can work but when you look at it from the stance of Dean Ambrose, uh, uh, Dean and Kevin Owens are going to go at it for the pay-per-view. But I've also seen these guys wrestle like three, four different matches on Raw. You know, back in the day, at least when you had a, a dedicated enhancement talent, you didn't see the big names go at it so often. So when you knew that they were going head-to-head, it was definitely something worth watching. Like, oh, finally, these guys are going to lock up. This should be really good. You know, I think in that sense, you lose something. You know, I agree with Dave that there is enhancement talent these days, and it's a little bit more colorful. But it's you kind of lose something when you lose the dedicated guy. Sure, to, to the educated wrestling fan, we look at these guys, okay, these guys are never going to pull out a win. But there's something to be said for, what you know, putting those guys up against the stars, keeping them fresh, and giving them something to do instead of fighting each other all the time, making it less relevant for the pay-per-views. You know, that being said, one other uh, one other thing I wanted to get to before you guys let me go, as far as the uh, the match between the uh, Taker's last match, I got to go with one of Dave's picks. I definitely got to go with Kane. 
Um, both of these guys have had they've had great runs together. And if this is going to be Undertaker's last match, I say billet, you know, one last match, brother against brother. Have you know you can build it up. You can have a great run with it to the to the final finish and just march both of these guys into the Hall of Fame as the Brothers of Destruction. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with that. I mean, I think that Kane has a, uh, you know, I can see where. I think I'm leaning more in the Owens direction I'd like to see, but I, I you know, I can't argue with uh, seeing the Brothers of the Destruction go at it uh, one more time at WrestleMania. Should be interesting, though. I, I think we, we I, at least I think the WWE needs to get on that soon. So I'm thinking come Sunday, uh, at least we'll maybe be moving in the direction to see where exactly, or Sunday or Monday even, uh, where we're going to go with The Undertaker. But uh, should be interesting to see. Who knows? It might be someone we're not even thinking of right now. But Rocky, as always, thank you for the phone call, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Take it easy, brother. Thanks, Rocky. Good stuff from Rocky. And just I want to let you guys know, again, uh, the movie, uh, Mark Javinsky, um, At What Cost, Anatomy of Professional Wrestling. It's three ninety nine to rent. It's just three ninety nine. It gets you a 72-hour streaming period. And you can buy it, and it's only nine ninety nine. So we got the, the link up on our Facebook page if you want to go and check that out. Again, only a 72-hour window to watch. You know, it's three ninety nine if you want to rent it, or nine ninety nine you can watch whatever the hell you want. But good stuff. Get on board. Go rent it and watch it. Good stuff from Mark. And let's go back out to the phones because we got Mike who is on the line. Let's bring him on. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Good guys, how are you doing? Just listening to the uh, the show. Very great show. Very good. Great stuff with uh, Mark. And it's a uh, it's a it's a sad day if you're a uh, a wrestling fan, an Eagles fan, you know, Glenn Fry passing away, uh, very sad, a very big Eagles fan. Happy I got to see them uh, when they came in 2014 uh, to the Garden. So, you know, was looking forward to that. But Iron Mike Sharp, I mean, so, so you know, you were talking about his, him being a jobber. The man was, was an owner of his own school. He had his own wrestling company, his own school. Um you know, he trained a lot of wrestlers. He trained uh, Nova. Um, he trained Magic. He trained. Uh, uh, he had a hand in training Richie Rotten. He had a hand in training um, a lot of uh, a lot of wrestlers. And it's uh, a sad day when Magic calls me up and tells me, you know, uh, Iron Mike Sharp passed away, and he said he was like Iron Mike Sharp was a, like a dad to uh, to Magic. Yeah, and he's you know he's a guy that when you you know you hear about all the guys he he trained and having a school you know being a guy who is known for enhancement talent is probably a, a good guy to be out there uh, teaching people because like I've said I mean the the art of pro wrestling you know everyone when they're in their ring in that ring uh, has got a job to do and uh, when everyone does their job effectively um, you you get some entertainment it's when people don't do their job effectively that things can get uh, muddied, uh, discombobulated, and what have you. And, and I could see where Iron Mike Sharp would be a guy that um, would be a great instructor as far as uh, teaching uh, the business of pro wrestling, what you're supposed to do there in, in that ring. I was 15 years old, and I was sitting in my, li- my my living room, and I was watching The Undertaker versus Iron Mike Sharp. 
And my mom, my mom said, we have company coming tonight. We have my friend, and she's bringing her boyfriend. So I said, oh, really cool. She said, yeah, you're going to like to meet him. He's a nice guy. His name is Mike. So I sat down, getting ready to, to open the door. And who walks through the door but I and Mike Sharp? Really? Sitting, awesome. yep, Get out my mom's I swear to God, my mom's friend was dating him. Mom's friend was dating Mike Sharp, and I got to meet him. And I could tell you right now, he's a nice, hell of a nice guy back then. And he said to me, you want to be, he, he looked at me and he said, so you like wrestling that much, I have a school. When you turn of age, you can come and train, and I'll train you. Well, because I had a heart condition, I really couldn't train. And I, and I never I never took him up on this offer because I never could train. But I met him again at an autograph signing, and I asked him if he re- remembered me. And he said, I remember your mom's friend. And he said, we broke up. Well, it's a true story. I mean, my mom uh, my mom used to work with her, and, and um, she said she was dating a wrestler. And, and she said, I, w- I won't tell you who, because your son probably knows who he is. And you would be surprised. That's awesome, man. Like, only, I, I mean, you, you've been a loyal supporter of the show, and you've been great, and you call in, like, only you, man, can, like, call in and be like, I guess what? Like, one day I was just hanging out, and Iron Mike Sharp came to dinner. Well, great and then the last fall was when I met Magic. You know, Magic and I, Magic and I had, had you know, had a history in, in, in working together, and then when we did the wrestling together, he said, yo, I was trained by Iron Mike Sharp, and, you know, he told me a lot of stories about Iron Mike Sharp, that Iron Mike Sharp would take him to the garden and tell like Vince McMahon and everybody down there, you know, this kid's an up and comer, you know, give him a shot. And they pushed him as mm-hmm. much as they could push magic. They tried to push him as much. And for a little bit, he was filling in for Savio Vega who went out with an injury. He was doing the clang thing, but the only thing that he couldn't do was the savant kick. So magic really wasn't that, you know, he was, he was a little lighter back in the day. Well, he said the Iron Mike Sharp pushed him. Um, he said he trained him in like three months. And, you know, talking to Magic today on the phone, Magic sounded like he lost his father. And that's how Magic, that's how Magic conveyed to me how much of, how much Iron Mike meant to him. Yeah, it's tough. And, and, you know, again, we said at the top of the show, but everyone, you know, um, condolences to, uh, you know, Family and, and people who uh maybe not blood related but uh you know, we're family nonetheless. Uh yeah, and then, then then the question is day. to watch money oh sorry, go ahead. No, just, just a sad day. Yeah. And then then the question is to watch Monday Night Raw or listen to Eagles all night. I mean just a tough night, I mean, and a tough day for me. And uh it's sad because I love I I love both I love them respected both people. But I, I, I definitely, Iron Mike Sharp was the, the guy, like you said before, jobber. You know, you think of him wrestling guys like uh, Undertaker or the Rockers, or you think of Dwayne Gill when you think of uh, when you think of him. You think of these jobbers, Barry Horowitz. Um, but Iron Mike Sharp was the Hulk Hogan had one of the funniest stories. Hulk Hogan said that that he'd be standing Daisy in the locker room and shaking my Iron Mike's hand and Iron Mike would just be putting on deodorant and use up all his deodorant. Really? Yep. If you read Hulk Hogan, if you read his book, it's in his, it's in Hogan's uh, book. I also heard what you guys said 
um, about what you were talking about before about Undertaker. I don't want to see him versus Kane again. Three try, and, and you know what? The storyline to that wouldn't make any sense because there would be no sense, as, especially right now when they're together, they're tag team partners. You know, to break them up now and say, you know what, Kane's going to wrestle. Undertaker for the third time at WrestleMania. I, I don't think a lot of people want to see it. I get you, and I, I can see where you know people would think that. I, I think there's, uh, I don't know, there's something about ending the career and, and bringing the Brothers of uh, Destruction back together in a match. But I also see like why people wouldn't want to see it, which is why I think it's going to be intriguing mm. to see exactly where the WWE is going to go. I mean, if they're all thinking, you know, we, we got the match we want to, to sell uh, WrestleMania, we're going to put Cena and Taker together in the ring, and now, you know, Cena is going to be on the shelf. Uh should be interesting to see exactly what direction right. they're going to go in and how they're going to build it, you know? And Owens is booked for WrestleMania against Brock, I heard. I heard they're pushing Brock against Owens. That's rumored. That's what I heard from a very reliable source. Um, you know, that's what I, that's one of the rumors that are out there, Dave, you're right. And there's so many, I wouldn't mind seeing Undertaker wrestle Owens. I wouldn't mind seeing Undertaker humble Owens a little bit. Maybe Owens needs a little humbling and the Undertaker can do that. I could see that. Um, but fast forward into the Sunday, surprises at the Royal Rumble. I wonder if Triple H is going to screw Roman Reigns. And that's that's entirely possible as, as well. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny because we're we're getting into like fantasy book and WrestleMania, but uh, we got to see what's going to happen. Uh, we have this a week Royal at, at Rumble and a fast lane. We have a Royal Rumble and a fast lane too. I mean, you know, so how apropos is that? We have a Royal Rumble and a fast lane, and um, it's just it's just crazy to think that. You know, now you guys are going to be doing your Royal Rumble pre-show. We are. And I'm going to be doing the Royal Rumble post-show um, for my network, for Totally Driven Entertainment Network. And I'll be on from 11 till about 1 a.m. Uh, in the morning. Well, there you go. It's pretty cool. And I'll have a co-host with me. I'll have my handyman, as I call him. We, we call him in wrestling. His name is Dave the Handyman. I will have the handyman on my show. And uh, we're actually going to have um, somebody come calling up that's going to the Royal Rumble. He told me that he's going to be back at his hotel about eleven thirty. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward, um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the Royal Rumble. I can't wait to see how these matches um, in turn. Now, is Owens in the Royal Rumble or he's not in the Royal Rumble? He's not. Um, he's not advertised. He's not advertised as of yet. There's only like nine or ten guys that have been advertised to be in the Royal Rumble match officially on WWE's uh, website that I just looked at a couple hours ago. Owens is not one of them. He's only he's mm. only scheduled for a match with Ambrose in a last man standing for the Intercontinental title. But in years past, we all know guys have pulled double duty before, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was entered into the match. 1994 was the first time guys pulled double duty. You had to talk. Uh, you had to talk and Bam Bam Bigelow in the first match, and then they were in the Royal Rumble. Wow, and a bit of Royal Rumble yeah, right. trivia there. 
Uh, Mike, no, I, always, I know my stuff. I know my stuff as a wrestling I, we know fan. You you know. Know. We know you do. Don't worry. There's no dispute with that. Hey, I love the American Bulldog. Is that your name now, Ken? Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's, my, uh, that'll be, that's my wrestling moniker, at least uh, for now. I Throw love it. That. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, it's kind of a, an homage to the British Bulldogs. Um, you know, and uh, I, I surprisingly, like, no one ever called them. So, I mean, I'm sure there's someone somewhere, but I, I did as much research as I could and uh didn't seem like anyone was using it. So, uh, no, I'm, we had the, the American we, we Bulldog. Had the right, ma- right, we had the Mad Dog. We had the Bulldogs. We didn't have an American Bulldog. I don't, I don't remember anybody calling themselves that, but congratulations to you. You got yourself a, a moniker that you like, and I'm happy for you, and I can't wait to see, to see you guys wrestle April 16th, I'm going to be there. I can't wait. It's going to be fun for me. Nice. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Yeah, that, that's our... Well, I'm not coming just for you. Show. I'm not coming just to see you. I'm going to see Tito Santana, and I'm going to see uh, Biggie Biggs, you know, my fat boy's brother, you know. But but coming to see you and Michelle would be an honor, yes. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. Mike, good stuff as always. Thanks for the phone call, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. All right, man? Yeah, man, I'll call on the pre-show. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Take it easy, brother. Uh, and there you have it. From the wonderful mind of, of Mikey uh, Gary Knight. It's crazy, man. Like he's, I mean, only only Mikey could call in with a, a dinner story with uh, Iron Mike Sharp. But uh, good stuff, as always. And with uh, uh, less than five minutes remaining in the show, again, um, put it out there. Thank you, uh, Mark Travinsky, for joining us uh for a little bit, talking about his movie, At What Cost, go download it today, Anatomy of Pro Wrestling. But as we head in with about four minutes left to a Monday Night Raw tonight, I guess the, the big thing right now is uh, Lesnar uh, supposed to be on the show tonight. Uh, Chris Jericho's highlight reel. Um, what do you think that we uh, – are we going to have a big announcement tonight? Is this going to set the WrestleMania – Season on its ear. Uh, what do you think we might get out of Brock Lesnar tonight, Dave? I think Lesnar is going to kind of preview, or at least Heyman speaking for him, is going to kind of preview that he has his sights set on the title and winning the Rumble at all costs. It wouldn't surprise me if a few other guys came out during the segment to confront Lesnar or maybe to, um, to you know rebut those claims. Uh, one other piece of news I just found out that WWE is set to announce the number one entrant in the 2016 Royal Rumble match tonight on Raw. So we can only guess at this stage who that individual could be. Hmm. Who could it be indeed? The Mullen guy, long black hair. First name begins with an R. Last name begins with an R. The current reigning and defending WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Ring a bell? A little bit. A little bit. Sounds, sounds, uh, you could see it. You could definitely see it. Um, well, with the way the storyline played out, I mean, come on. Like, I, I think that's the obvious route if they were to announce Reigns as the number one entrant. And to be quite honest with you, he's already got the odds stacked against him having to defend the belt for the first time ever in the Royal Rumble match against 29 other guys. If you're going to put him in there at number one, then you better have him lose. 
because in my opinion, if you put him in there at number one and you have him win, that's too John Cena-like. And I think that there's a chance that the audience might turn on that and turn on Reigns if he were to win in a position like that. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's if you if if he's number one, this is a this will be a win for the authority, uh, at least in terms of what it does to to Roman Reigns. I uh, I agree. It just would be, and I, I you know I think I think he has a strong showing, um, but if he's number one, yeah, I, I do think he should. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm 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 in agreement, and then we're not we're not Reigns haters here, um, but I. Uh, I don't think he should he should win the match. So remains to be seen, but that uh that should be interesting. I mean, hopefully we get a a, a decent raw. I mean, it's uh you know, it's been um it's been spotty at best as of late uh with these uh Monday night Raws. But uh we are on the the road to WrestleMania. So um you know, let's see. I mean, we we got the number 1 entrant in the Rumble that we're going to uh see. We're going to um uh, see Brock Lesnar tonight with Paul Heyman on the highlight reel. So obviously we're going to see uh, Chris Jericho as well tonight. Um, you know it's got the makings of, but uh, you know, and this is the go home for the Rumble. So I, I mean, I'm thinking, Dave, this should be a decent night of, of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, we'll probably see some last minute developments on the card. Maybe the tag team titles uh, w- w- title match could be announced for the pay per view if they have plans for that. Um, but Ken, do you want to deliver the special late-breaking news regarding our Royal Rumble pre-show? Yes, I would. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts and a whole bunch of other stuff, and, uh, you know, we don't want to go out and just not do it because we love doing our Rumble pre-shows. We're going to, a little programming note, we're going to be doing our Rumble pre-show the night before. So Saturday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Same great stuff, same pay-per-view, you know, throwback, uh, your calls, all the great stuff that you've grown to know and love on this show. We'll be doing it. We'll just be doing it on Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m., so be sure to tune in then. Thank you all for calling in tonight. All the callers, everyone who supported us, check out the movie At What Cost? Anatomy of Professional Wrestling. For Dave, I am Ken. See you Saturday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>